Well, let's get so to I, but, no, but Susan, I, this is important. Susan, I, and I, I, I want to add, but if, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I have to I'm speaking. In. Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer. And today we are breaking down the only vice presidential debate. Now, in most years, people forget the vice presidential debate by the next sunrise. Unless Sarah Palin was in it or somebody said something like, Senator, you know Jack Kennedy. But not today. This Veep debate really mattered. President Trump's 74 and recovering from COVID. Joe Biden is 77. We're living in the middle of a raging global pandemic. There is a very real possibility that one of these two people, either Vice President Mike Pence or Senator Kamala Harris, might actually have to be the president. The job's not just about nodding and going to funerals. Joining me to talk about the debate are John Diaz, the Chronicle's editorial page editor, veteran political scribe, the big man, John Wilderman, and a very special guest, Chronicle columnist and co-host of the Fifth Admission podcast, Heather Knight. And I want to welcome listeners of Fifth Admission. If you like what you hear tonight, we talk politics every week on It's All Political. There's a link in the episode description, so come on over and subscribe. And now, here's our conversation about the vice presidential debate. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for uh, staying up late uh, after this debate. And before we begin, I know people always make fun of the presidential debates, vice presidential debates, but I wanted to uh, just play a montage uh, before we start of, um, of all the great moments in vice presidential debate history. You ready? Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. Who am I? Why am I here? Yeah, that, that's all of them. Okay, <laughs> so here we go. We but we do want to. Um, there was a um, we want to focus on on what uh, the the pandemic was the main issue tonight. Um, the the main issue of substance, I think. There was a couple of things, but it was mostly about the pandemic, and of course, it should be because uh, so many uh, uh, two hundred what ten thousand people now have uh, died. More than seven point five million have been infected. Uh, actually, and, Joe, I'd say something first. Congratulations to uh, Kamala Harris and Mike Pence for daring to be boring. It was a great <laughs> relief from the last debate. <laughs> yes, uh, it was. It was much more soothing than the last debate. Um, I actually made it the whole time. I you, turned it off midway through last time. Oh, so. you did. You didn't have to admit that, Heather. <laughs> Um, well, I want to play a clip uh, because uh, the, the reason that Biden is leading the polls, the main reason is because of uh, the president's mishandling of the pandemic. Uh, Kamala Harris called it the greatest failure in presidential administration in history. And here is her talking about that. And she put it at the feet of Mike Pence. The vice president is the head of the task force and knew on January 28th how serious this was. And then thanks to Bob Woodward. We learned that they knew about it. And then when that was exposed, the vice president said, when asked, well, why didn't y'all tell anybody? He said, because the president wanted people to remain calm. So I want to ask the American people, how calm were you when you were panicked about where you're going to get your next roll of toilet paper? How calm were you when your kids were sent home from school and you didn't know when they could go back? How calm Thank were you? you? Thank when you, your Senator children Harris. couldn't see your parents because you were afraid they could kill them. Heather, did uh, Kamala Harris make that argument the central focus of the Biden campaign better than Joe Biden himself? Well, much better. She could actually get a word in edgewise most of the time. 
Um, Pence did interrupt her quite often, and I loved the facial expressions she was shooting back at him. Every woman um, has been in those situations in meetings where you're saying something and suddenly interrupted, and uh, my friends were texting wildly about that. But I thought she did make a great job on the pandemic. She was very forthright, very strong. I had flashbacks about trying to find toilet paper, so um, she was definitely reminding all of us of what it felt like in March when we had so many questions and everything was so mysterious and nobody was really telling it to us straight. Now we know that they knew a lot more than they let on and, and she did a great job making that point. Uh, John Diaz, you've, you've known and written about Kamala Harris for 20, 20 odd years. You've, she's probably spent more time in the Chronicle's editorial boardroom than uh, just about any candidate out there. Uh, you've, you've seen her as a candidate for district attorney, attorney general, U.S. senator, could you see her, this is the central question of tonight, could you see her as vice president, or could you see her as vice president of the United States and possibly president of the United States? Joe, I think she more than held her own tonight. Um, I actually go back to her first uh, broadcast debate back in 2003 against incumbent district attorney Terrence Hallinan, I thought, which I am moderated, by the way. Uh, wow. <laughs> and, and it was on uh, live on KCBS radio and, and uh, uh, recorded at KPIX. I thought this was her best debate since then. Uh, she had been a little bit uneven, I thought, in the presidential primary debates. I thought she, uh, as Heather pointed out, I thought she came out very strong on the pan pandemic. But the other thing that she did, which was probably just as important, is she was restrained. She didn't go after the cheap shots of the uh, White House being a uh, a hot spot, or you know, uh, you know the the very fact that you know there's a question as whether Mike Pence should even be there, given that uh, his exposure. Uh, she she avoided those kinds of uh, cheap shots, which I'm sure Pence had spent a fair amount of time preparing for. It reminded me very much the way she went after this debate was a very disciplined way that she went after Terrence Allen in, in, in fall 2003. Make her points, keep her calm, uh, really be in control of the debate. I thought she was in control from start to finish. I think she does better when it's one-on-one, -on -one, when she has one opponent, kind of like a prosecutor against the person on the stand versus a group setting. She really nailed that tonight, I thought. Big man, what about Mike Pence? Uh, he's been vice president for four years, uh, but he's mostly been, a, you know, kind of a nodder. He's always deferring to Trump. He's not, you know, nodding in the background. What did he do tonight to assure America that he could become president if the need arose? Absolutely nothing. Uh, again, <laughs> he was essentially sitting there nodding, saying, you know, everything Donald Trump has done has been wonderful. It's been great. And how dare you criticize it? Which to an extent, is kind of the role of the vice president. I mean, you can't come up there and say, well, here's what I would do or anything else like that. But he's not a very exciting politician or anything else. He managed to hit on some of the same misstatements that Trump has made, you know, continuing, you know, bringing up the uh, the billion, 1.7 billion to, to Iran and all those golden oldies. And I don't think he really added much at all. One thing he did do, and I and I think the Democrats still do not have a good answer for this, is he talked about, he tried to get Kamala Harris to commit to, uh, are Democrats going to pack the court? In other words, are they going to add members to the Supreme Court if they were to you know, win the race, obviously, and if the Democrats would control the Senate? 
I want to play a little sound for you there. And, and Senator the Harris. People, Susan, are voting right now. They'd like to know if you and Joe Biden are going to pack the Supreme Court if you don't get your way in this nomination. Let's talk about packing. You once Come again on. gave a non-answer. Joe Biden gave a non-answer. <laughs> trying to answer you the now. American people deserve a straight answer. And, and if you haven't figured it out yet, the straight answer is they are going to pack the Supreme Court. All right, let's leave aside the question for a moment uh, if uh, Americans do care about this or can understand it, basically. John Diaz, is the, do Democrats need to come up with an answer for this? I think they do, Joe. I think that was uh, Mike Pence's uh, strongest moment of the night. Uh, it's certainly in the air. A lot of particularly progressive Democrats want to do that. Uh, Kamala Harris clearly ducked out a question, uh, strategically ducked that question. Uh, they, they, they do not want to go there. Um, and, and I think in some ways that was, that was probably wise. I mean, I mean, basically, when you go into a debate like this, you've got a solid lead. The last thing you want to do is give the opposition something that they can hang their hat on. And, and Kamala did not take the bait. Heather, what do, do people know what packing the court is? What does this issue resonate with the, at the kitchen table? I, I don't know that it does, but I think certainly uh, that she answered it as best she can. I think the part that you just cut short before it got there was she said, you want to talk about packing the court? How about there's been 50 appellate judges named and not one of them is a black person? That's packing yes. the court. I thought that was as good a way as you can handle it because the only real answer is beats me. Let's see what happens. And that's not any better than just uh, trying to duck it completely. Yes. Heather, do, do people care about this when they're at the, sitting around the, and, and looking at their, their voter guide, their chronicle voter guide and saying, where is everyone unpacking the court? I wouldn't think so. I think um, I think she made a good pivot to, you know, he was talking about um, we've had nine Supreme Court justices for however many years. And she said, well, if you want to do the history lesson, let's do the history lesson. And we haven't always had nine justices. That has been a number that has changed in the past. And But overall, I don't think that's going to be a make or break for people who aren't decided yet. Heather, and, I want to go back Joe, to something. Thank you for the plug for uh, the Chronicle Voter Guide, which is, <laughs> yes. which is now online. And you can see all of our endorsements on all 12 propositions, which is what people do care about. So thank you, yes. Joe. <laughs> yes, I Good just, product placement. I was, I, was, I was getting to that. I was getting to a more, I, it's counting on you to give a more complete and full and full-throated uh, plug for that. So we'll have more of our analysis of the vice presidential debate after this short break. Heather, I want to loop back to something you, you said at the, at, when you first started talking about um, uh, Kamala Harris and, uh, and sort of uh, she, she definitely drew a line about when, when uh, Trump or Trump, Pence tried to uh, sort of talk over a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, and you said this, you, your phone was blowing up about this. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of raw speaking time, just for the, for the numbers, uh, Pence had 30, uh, Five minutes and 22 seconds, according to ABC. Harris had 38 uh, minutes and 48 seconds. Mm. So it was, it was, you know, it was pretty close. But the, um, what is that? What is the, the talk about with the, about more about that? Because this was a st an historical moment. Harris, the first woman of color uh, on the vice presidential debate stage. Yeah, I mean, basically Trump spent the first debate, you know, just 
screaming the whole time and Biden had a hard time getting a word in edgewise. And so I would have thought that Pence would have been really, you know, prepped to not do that, especially since his opponent was a woman and a woman of color. That would look very bad if, you know, the white man is constantly interrupting the woman. Um, He obviously didn't go anywhere near the level that Trump did in the first debate, but he did do a lot of it. And a lot of women were noticing that Um, texting me on social media. I saw a lot of that. And especially given the fact that the moderator was a woman, too, it was kind of one guy who was definitely not listening to Susan Page kept telling him that his time was up. He just, you know, just completely ignored that over and over and over and over again. And then he would interrupt Kamala Harris as well. And I think she was in a tough spot because women have the, especially women of color, have the um, stereotype of if you say anything back, you're angry or you're shrill. Um, And so she had to really balance her reaction to that. But I thought she did a great job in terms of not saying much, but saying everything with her eyebrows and her facial expression. (laughs) She was not pleased. And and let's not let's not forget the words, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I I suspect we're going to see that on a T-shirt. I'm actually being the oldest on this panel. Remember that 1984 a debate between Geraldine Ferraro and uh, George H.W. Bush, where at one point uh, he was lecturing her on foreign policy. And she basically said, uh, don't patronize me like a woman can't understand foreign policy. I think we're in a much different place here in 2020. I think it's going as as huge as that gender gap is going in. uh, I think Heather's exactly right. I think it's going to resonate in a way that and and hurt the Trump Trump Pence ticket in a way that it did not really hurt Reagan Bush in 1984. Maybe so, but uh, Frank Lunds was doing a uh, focus group for uh, Fox, and he said that Frank, uh, Frank they, Lunds, Republican pollster. Yeah, and he said the uh, his the people he was talking to thought that uh, uh, Kamala came across as abrasive and condescending. And thank you very much. Uh, you know, what What do you do? I mean, uh, you, you get uh, Pence who's just talking and talking and talking and ignoring everybody. And if you try and make a comment back, well, people say, how dare she? And Exactly. That's why she was in such a tough spot. And I think she handled it well. She did have those lines, like John Diaz just mentioned, I'm speaking, but she never said anything, you know, rude. Or I thought she was quite measured while getting her point of frustration across. And I, lo- I love it, you know, in the corollary with the 1984 debate where Kamala Harris said, do not lecture me on law enforcement. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. a prosecutor. <laughs> I put some of these people in prison. You haven't. Um, I, I I thought she had good comebacks. She was, she, Kamala Harris is someone who is always going to be so well-prepared, sometimes over-prepared, uh, but that really came through tonight to her advantage. And let's let's uh, not underestimate the fact that Kamala Harris has not had a lot of one-on-one debate experience. Uh, I mean, first of all, a challenging one-on-one debate experience. Uh, the last time <laughs> there was she, no dabbing tonight. <laughs> there was, exactly. The, her last opponent, Loretta Sanchez, in the U.S. Senate debate in 2016, ended her closing <laughs> remarks by dabbing. Uh, one of the uh, funniest things, mostly because of Harris's expression, she's just trying to like, she was like, oh my God, it just, what the hell are you doing? Expression on her face. And then she tried to stifle a laugh. Let's, uh, big man, this is all about politics. Let's, let's look at the raw politics of this. There are precious few undecided voters at this point, anywhere from, you know, 
four or five to maybe 10% of the, of the voters that, that would probably be in the high side. Did this, uh, you know, did, did tonight move the dial anyway? Uh, the last week's debate did, uh, Joe Biden picked up a, a couple of points, maybe three points after, uh, you know, that, that horrific, uh, whatever that was last week, does tonight <laughs> move the dial anyway? I don't think it does. And I don't think vice presidential debates typically do unless it's a disaster. I think that uh, Kamala came across as somebody you could see, this person can be vice president. She seems smart enough to do the do the job. But at this point for Biden and Harris, it's not a question of winning debates. It's a question of not losing them. And I think that she certainly succeeded in not losing tonight. Uh we need to uh, include the star of the evening, though. Uh, you know, <laughs> Kamala Harris did a great job, but no doubt that the star of the evening was the fly. Heather, tell us about the fly. <laughs> I thought I was the only one. I was like, what is that? And I was texting my friends after we shifted from how Mike Pence kept interrupting everybody. I was like, is that a fly on his head? And then I looked at Twitter and everyone was talking about the fly and it stayed on there a really long time. It did. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if he had hairspray and the fly got stuck or something. I, but... I think it was product. I think he got stuck <laughs> in the product on Mike Pence's hair. Yeah, something... it was definitely the most interesting thing about the debate. <laughs> and <laughs> Joe Biden's already selling fly swatters on his um, campaign site that say uh, truth or flies or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Uh, any other final comments? Where do we go from here? This may be the final debate of the season, although I, I'm, I'm predicting a Lazarus-like re- uh, <laughs> resurrection <laughs> by the president, and he will definitely be, uh, be there for one of them. Um, what, where do we go from here? Joe, here, here is my take on debates generally over the years, is whichever candidate is perceived immediately to have a slight edge, that tends to amplify with time. Uh, so I think the fact that I, I think most independent observers would say that Kamala Harris had the better night, that is going to amplify over time. I don't know that it's going to really move this race, but at this point, if the race stays what it is, that's a huge advantage for uh, for Joe Biden. So um, I, I would look at it, if we're we're looking at this four years from now, eight years from now, we we're going to be talking about how Kamala Harris really came into her own as a national candidate tonight. Big man, do you want to say something? Uh, just that, uh, yeah, I think that uh, certainly there is going to be another debate. Uh, the uh, There's no way that Biden can uh, duck it, regardless of what happens. He's got to show up. But the, In a hazmat suit? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but the thing is, is that that first debate is the one that people remember. It's the one that most of the people watch. And right now, uh, if you look at all the polling numbers and everything, the Trump needs something to change. And uh, I don't know that there's that many things left in these last 27 days that can change, change something that drastically. All right. Thank you all. Heather, thank you, our special guest tonight. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me. Yes. John Diaz. The big man, John Wilderman, thank you all for being here. And hopefully we'll see you again soon after the next debate. Oh my God, that'll be a good one. Always a pleasure, Joe. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank my friends and Chronicle colleagues for staying late to join me. Heather Knight, John Diaz, and the big man, John Wildermuth. I'd like to thank the King, King Kaufman, 
for giving up some of his beauty risk to produce this episode. A shout out to our fabulous theme music. That song is called Cattle Call, and it's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. And remember, whether you are Jack Kennedy or not, it's all political. <laughs>